This is a Sandy Boy Productions podcast. This series is presented by Lagoon. Unlock your optimal rest and recovery by going to lagoonsleep.com and taking the two-minute sleep quiz to find the Lagoon pillow matched to you. And be entered to win a Gen 3 Aura ring. Use the code LINDSAY, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y, at checkout for an exclusive 15% off your first order. Hey, everybody. Welcome to All Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. I'm your host, Lindsay, and I'm so grateful you're here today. You're listening to the fourth episode in the New York City Marathon recap series. Today's episode is with Tommy Runs. Really excited to share Tommy's story of running, the sober life, the vegan life. He has his own podcast called The Run, Eat, Sleep Show. He has a marathon PR of 2.48, and this fall, he ran three marathons in sub three hours in, I think he said it was 60 days or less. It was all pretty close together. He ended that with the New York City Marathon. And uh, if you know anything about the day in New York City, cracking three hours, especially after running Chicago and his other marathon just before Chicago, uh, it's a big feat. So we talk about that in the episode, but really what I loved most is getting into his history and learning about his sobriety and how he came to that life and what it means to him. And uh, I could just talk about that kind of stuff all day. I am so grateful to have him on the show today. Make sure you go follow him on Instagram if you aren't already. He's Tommy underscore runs. Are you in Z? And uh, give him a message and let him know you heard him on the show. Thank him for being on. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a rating and review on iTunes or Spotify. That is one of the best ways potential new listeners can find us. And uh, I thank you so much for being here. Enjoy my conversation with Tommy. Today on All Have Another, we have Tommy Runs on the show. Welcome to the show, Tommy. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good, good. Thank you for having me. I'm, I'm excited to um, talk too much. <laughs> I love interviewing another podcaster, though. You know the drill. You know what I'm looking for. Right. Just just keep going. Um, turn left when you need to turn left, turn right when you need to turn right, you know? Uh, how are you feeling? Three sub three hour marathons in what? Three, four months, three months? Yeah, like technically like 60 days. Wow. Um, within 60 days, it was uh, Erie Marathon, Chicago and then New York. I feel I feel good. I haven't run. I don't plan on running until December or so, like so oh, cool. four weeks or so off or almost four weeks off. And I feel pretty good right now. It's like I definitely added up a lot of fatigue and kind of beat up the body quite a bit. So um, I'm happy to not be thinking about running right now. You know, are you how do you deal with that, though? Like, I always feel like the first week after a marathon, I'm like, yeah, yeah. I don't have to do anything. <laughs> I'm relaxing. I'm recovering. And then a week out, I'm like, I'm ready to start like moving my body again and like really exercising. Not that I'm not moving my body the week after I'm walking yeah. around, but like I start actually craving a run about a week out. Well, I think um, I, I haven't I haven't craved it yet. I think running three uh, marathons, like kind of like that, kind of made me want some more time off. Um, but then also, like kind of like what uh, Kira Damano said on your show, um, that 
you know, like the goals down the road. I mean, I didn't get to the end of New York and just said like, oh my gosh, what do I do now? It's like, I have other goals like for the spring next year. And so I'm like, hey, I'll have plenty of time to do all the runs, all the miles. Might as well just, you know, enjoy this time off, you know, and enjoy this recovery, catch up on things that I wouldn't have time to catch up on, you know, without, with, with the miles involved. So uh, I'm just like embracing this time, you know, like we all have seasons and this is like a season of just chill, chill the heck out, you know? Yeah. I actually, I saw, I think it was Jay Johnson tweeting about this exact thing. Like we need seasons off, like you need mm. time off and the amount of time from like January 1st to like, um, spring marathon season or track season or whatever is plenty of time. So if you just hung up mm. your fall marathon, like chill, enjoy the holidays. Yeah. Like enjoy and just, um, you know, relax, you know, and you're not going to, you starting a two weeks prior to, um, two weeks earlier is not going to change too much, you know? So it's like, just have some fun, enjoy your family, you know? sit on the couch. Yeah. One of the races I work with though, and I, I always advocate for people going though is in February. So I'm like, Hmm, but I always think like you can always go and run a February race for fun or as like your base race, right? Like this is, this is where I'm see where I'm at for like the beginning of the season to see where it's going to lead to in April or May. Right. Right. Yeah. So it's like, just, I, I'm kind of like, I'm just hanging on, having fun right now and just getting ready for what's next. Okay. So I want to talk about your marathon history. So this is, was this marathons six, seven, eight or five, six, seven? This was four, five, six. Four, five, six. Okay. So yeah. I've been marathoning since I was like 24. And so that's a lot of years. And so to me hearing that, I'm like, he's still so fresh. Like, you know what I mean? So I feel like you are in a really special spot right now because you've really tapped into not what your limits are. I think that you obviously can run much faster than a 248, but like you've really tapped into seeing like what is really there and there's so much more to explore. So you're in that like sweet spot. Yeah, I feel like it's like I feel like it's new. I mean, when some people will like kind of refer to what I'm doing or who I guess I am, um, like I'm so far into this marathoning thing. Like I've only done six. I mean, before September, I only did, did three. So it's not like I was like it's not like I've been doing this for six years even. Um, so I feel like I'm fresh and having fun and still learning a lot. Like as um, being on Instagram and like talking about running all the time, you um, people assume like I'm. Like, I know what I'm talking about, but I really don't. I'm just, <laughs> we're all, we're all figuring things out as we go along. We're all testing to see what works out for us. Um, and that's part of the fun though. Like that's part of the journey. And I'm really excited about like where things are going to go, you know, and cause I am so new, I don't have like tons of miles on my legs and, you know, it, in comparison to someone that's been running their whole lives. So like, I get to just kind of try new things, take some risks, maybe get hurt every now and then. Um, hopefully not, uh, you know, more than less or less than more. Um, but it's just been really cool to, to go along this journey. Yeah. And I realize some people listening might think, whoa, he sounds really experienced and you are, but it's just relatively new. Yeah. Um, so without being too basic, I do need to hear and the listeners need to hear, like, how did you even fall into running? Um, so I always start like with the, the sobriety side of things for me. Um, in 2017, in January 11th, 2017, I chose like the sober lifestyle, sober life. Um, and that was like the, 
the keystone habit change that I needed to, to like make this big shift in life. Um, things were just going in this insanely negative way. It's, it felt fast, but it was really slow and gradual, um, to the point where you're like, you know, like that whole boiling water effect. Like you just don't feel, you just don't know that you're, you're so far gone until you like wake up one day and you're like, Holy crap, like what's going on here? Um, I have no control. Um, and so that was like the shift that I needed and got into the gym and started to try to like take my fitness and my health into my own hands, you know, like literally and physically. Um, so I was in the gym, got like worked, got buff and was lifting heavy and all that stuff and really was enjoying like this process of, of, of improvement and like learning who and what I kind of am. Uh, and then in around 2018 in February, I, I decided to try veganism out just as like a, not a, not a bet, but just like a challenge for like two weeks. And then by the end of that two weeks, I just felt so much better mm. than I had even when I made that shift from, um, to, to sobriety. So I'm like, well, that, there must be something there. Did some research, saw some, documentaries did some you know did some reading i'm like hey you know i'm just gonna go ahead and try this out for much longer because i feel too good to go back to like what i was so i stayed lifting for quite a bit after that got invited to run a half marathon in july of um 2018 um at the uh, rock and roll half marathon in chicago and had a good time ran um set this weird goal like i'm gonna run i think it was like 135. Oh, like, that's really fast. That's what I want. Like, I don't know. Like, I think it was maybe 130, 135. I even, you know how Nikes used to have like those, or they still do like the, the weird numbers on the back of the shoe Yeah. that you can like whatever. So I filled it in and I had like my shoe set like 130 or 135 or something like that. And I just knew I was going to be able to do this. No problem. Um, and then realized that like that, you just don't do that. You know, you just can't <laughs> go run out. And um, so, but I ran a decent time. It was like 149 and some change. Um, and I enjoyed the process. I enjoyed like the, the being out there with all these strangers, but we all had the same goal. And it reminded me of the sobriety journey as well. Cause you go into the, you know, these rooms, um, and you talk to fellow uh, alcoholics and, um, addicts and you're like, you realize that we're all oddly in the same journey and have very similar experiences, no matter whether, you know, no matter where we're from. Mm. Um, so I just liked that feeling and crossed that finish line and was like, Hey, I, I want to kind of do this again. And if I could do 149, maybe what I, what, what could I do with a little bit more time? Um, and then ever since then, I was just like really hooked on the, on the process of running in the, in the journey of running. So you packaged up the sobriety story pretty quickly, but I'm curious, like that's a really hard decision to make. And it's a really mm -hmm. hard commitment that you have to recommit to probably daily did, who were the people in your life that helped you make that decision? And early on, too, I imagine like those first 30 days might be the most challenging. Yeah, I think um, for me, it was, you know, my mom's always been, obviously, I mean, not obviously, but she's always been in my corner. Um, and she just happened to check on me at this like really like weird time. Like I was, to, my, my alcoholism was very like gradual and you know, I, it was fun in the beginning when I was younger. And then as I went on, it was more of like, this is part of who I am. Mm. And then it started to take over. And I was never like out of control. Like I wasn't, I didn't get a DUI or, you know, whatever. And uh, it was no like judge or jail or, you know, whatever situation that made me decide to change. It was the fact that I just didn't 
every time I'd want to quit or just take some time off from it. Um, I'd say, you know, two weeks, let's do this, you know, and I'd get one or two days in and then I'd have an excuse of why, like, oh, well, today's Tuesday. So, you know, Mm -hmm. we could have a drink on Tuesday. Um, But so I just realized I had no control over this thing at all. And in fact, it was like, it was all consuming. Like it was um, like every day that I would wake up, I felt like immediately I was like taking a loss, you know, and every going through that process every day is, is super depressing. You know, it's like you, you want something for yourself, but you just, for some reason you just can't, you just can't do it. Like there's it, it almost felt physically impossible to, to last a week or two or a month even. And you, wait, you felt like you were, you were waking up with a loss because you woke up feeling like crap because of the well, night no, before. Like I, no, like I'd wake up and, and drink, you know, I'd wake up and, you know, yeah, and get prepared for the day by, you know, hey, I'll have a drink, you know, and that was just my lifestyle at the time. And or even if I lasted until midday or something like but every time, like I would have to lean towards like, this is what I have to do. It just felt like so uncontrollable. And this world is crazy enough. Like, you know, we you look at the news, you look at everything and there's so much going on and not just lately, but just forever um, that you just don't feel like you have any say over what happens. And it just felt even worse to have that start from inside you know like i didn't have anything you know i didn't if the wind blew it is what it is you know and i just didn't have any control so every time i reach for a drink because that's who i was or what i needed or thought i needed um i just felt terrible and depressed and sad and, and lost you know and that feeling every day for however long that lasted was just painful enough to to decide like, hey, I need to at least talk to someone or at least tell the truth because that's mm-hmm. how it started. I just mm-hmm. told the truth to someone, which was like, I called like the employee assistance program that, you know, the companies offer. Mm-hmm. Um, that's like super anonymous and all that stuff. And they asked the question, like, how many drinks do you have? You know, you go to the doctor, you're like, they're like, how many times do you drink a week? And you go, oh, just, and then you like in your head, you add like two times seven, oh, maybe 14, <laughs> you know, uh-huh. like super exact. Um, and once she, the lady that was on the phone, like interviewing me for like this, you know, what was next in that EAP process, she asked me how many times I drink. And I said, at least, you know, how many drinks a day, maybe at least five, six, something. And I told the truth to her. Then they, they connected me to a, a, a therapist and she just happened to be a substance abuse therapist with, um, along with some other, you know, qualifications as well. And I told her the truth again and Next thing you know, she's like, hey, you should check out AA. Um, there's plenty of people there that have gone through what you've gone through. And that was like the beginning of that that journey. And I decided since that day that I saw her, which was January 11th, I wouldn't drink at least for a few days until like I get to this AA meeting on a Sunday. I think it was a Wednesday. So I'm like, I can, I think I can make it between that, you know, between Wednesday and Sunday. And the crazy, I just never really thought about it until right now, like that moment, in, before that that day, I don't think that I would have been able to make five, four days or whatever it was between Wednesday to Sunday. But the act of me like sharing my truth out loud to someone gave me a little more like strength from Wednesday to Sunday to make to not drink those days, to make it to the AA meeting, my first AA meeting sober, you know, still to say, hey, I've, I'm four days in. You know, whatever my name's Thomas. You know, whatever. You know, um, and that I just didn't realize. I didn't realize that 
because before those that day, I don't think I would have been able to go four days without without drinking. I think that's so powerful. Like you just had to tell someone the truth. It's like yeah. it's like you had to tell yourself the truth, and by telling someone else the truth, you're telling yourself the truth. Yeah, because you can like, because you know we lie to ourselves like all mm-hmm. the time. I mean, we tell we tell the truth to ourselves, you know, occasionally, but we always like. For me, it was always you know I can stop I can stop this mm-hmm. or I can do that or whatever or I want or you you tell you even if you don't set tell yourself that like you can stop you tell yourself that you don't want to mm-hmm. you know like oh this is what you want this is how you are or whatever we say over and over and we just believe it you know and um, eventually like just having that said out loud and in the atmosphere I think it's it was just that the change I needed and that's why like running with people too like is is a big deal and sharing your 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 goals and things is really fun because it's just out there and and even if that person that you told never does anything for you um just hearing you and giving you a head nod or something um is like often like that that like that confirmation that you can go after it and whatever she said to me that day was like okay you know you're not alone you know whatever it was really that, that day was a big day for me. I wonder how it is for you in social situations because I think that that would be so hard. Uh, mm-hmm. My sister's sober. I think she's two years sober. Well, tell her to say congratulations because two years is a long time without a drink. Yeah, I will. And I am someone – I've put a couple episodes out on my podcast actually, um, on my parenting podcast um, about this because I'm someone who has – it's flooded my mind more than it should. Like, oh, it's three. When can I have a drink on Wednesday because I'm stressed out because the kids are driving me crazy and blah, 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 you know? Um, and I've really like altered in the past, I would say even six months, how mm-hmm. often I drink. Um, and I feel so much more in control when I don't, Right. But I will say in social situations, even on a day where I don't feel like drinking, it is really hard because it is the social thing to do. You go to a Mm -hmm. party, everybody has a glass of wine or a beer or you go to a brewery or wherever. So I'm just curious how you have walked through that experience yourself because you're you're a social guy. You go out and do things. Yeah. Well, the good the the good and bad thing about the way I went after it was like I got sober and January and I and I traveled for work quite a bit and I think my first conference that I needed to go to which is you know you get basically paid to you know professional drinker Mm because everybody goes to conferences and they drink and have fun or whatever and network and I had like two months before this meeting this this next conference and like I was in my second meeting and I was sharing and I was just so incredibly worried like I think I was maybe 14 days in and I'm like yeah I I'm, I'm nervous about this this conference that I have to go to and how am I going to be able to make it work people know me as this person that used to drink they're going to be like you know they're going to ask me all these questions they're going to ask me for how what what do you want are you having the same thing you had last month you know whatever um and I was super worried in the in unanimously it was just like dude like that's not your problem right now like you're just stay sober today Mm. you know and that was it and they're like that whole one day at a time thing before that before sobriety i'm like that sounds so stupid one day at a time whatever we get it it sounds really hokey but if you can wake up in the morning sober and aim to go to sleep sober and make that happen that's all you can control anyway you know it's just one day at a time and that's all you have like you just you just don't have there's 
you know, the future is just non-existent, you know, in, in a real sense that there's no use to worrying about any of that. So like, anyway, so I jumped into it, you know, with this, this concept of just worry about today in this moment. So like, I took that to social settings as well. Like Mm -hmm. it's my, it's number one, it's my decision. I know there's people, there's folks that are, you know, um, sober that, you know, ask friends and family to not drink around them or do whatever around them, um, which I understand completely, but I didn't have that option. So like, I just decided that, you know, this is my choice for me and I'm just going to, I'm going with this, you know, and I, I made it known that I was uh, shared, but that I was sober and it just worked out. And the people that I was around did, didn't like try to force me to drink or anything like that, which is, which is great. But I just, I let everybody have their, everybody's in this journey on their own, you know, like that's your path. If that's what, if you drink, you drink, that's fine. Um, and I've just been lucky and blessed enough to not have like incredible, like urges around people mm-hmm. that are drinking. Um, because it's just been my choice and I, I did plenty of drinking for myself. You know, I, I did that, you know, and I, I feel like I don't, I didn't, I'm not missing anything. And I realized that there's people out there that like, don't know who they're going to be if they sober up and, you know, will you be like the, the, the lame guy at the party? And if you are, that's just who you are. You know? like, <laughs> it is what it is. Um, and sometimes I'm the, the guy that's just chilling at, chilling at the party, sitting still and, you know, and watching, having fun watching and laughing and talking, but. I'm still funny at times um, and I'm still me and I just didn't, I just didn't know who I would be, but I realized quickly that I am who I am. Yeah. That, um, that's beautiful. That drink at the party is just such a um, comfort thing too. Mm -hmm. Right. And one of the other women that I, I, another woman I talked to about this topic um, on why is everyone yelling? My podcast or parents, she was, she always says like, I, you know, I love your one day at a time thing, but even deeper into that, like just like an hour before the party, like I don't give myself the option. Like if I give myself the option, maybe I'll have one drink. I'm going to have the drink. But if I just don't give myself the option, then it's off the table. I walk in, someone offers me a drink. I'll say maybe later. And I just move on. And like, it's not, it's not, it's my life, you know? So. And and one thing that like, I guess I'll throw in there because I used in the beginning, this is not a, this is not a promotion or commercial because I don't drink it anymore. But uh, Red Bull was like a thing for me in the beginning. I okay. was like, I would need something to. So yeah. the point is, to have something to drink. So like when people even now will ask me, like, Hey, what are you what are you gonna have? I'll just say, Yeah, I'll have a like a sparkling water with a lime or like a club soda with a lime, and that act of like enjoying the you know you're mm-hmm. not saying no, I don't drink. It's like yeah, I'll take you know the bars have other stuff too. You know yeah. like. Don't you don't have to separate yourself from like the fun or like the the act of being a part of a group. Um, I say, yeah, I'll take a whatever. And then they bring it back and then I drink and everybody's happy because they could get me something. And we're all you're holding something. We're holding something, you know, (laughs) and then oftentimes, like if it's like if I feel like I'm in a crowd that like really is a drinking crowd and, and I feel like I'd have more questions than than necessary, I'll go to the bar myself and ask for uh, a, like a club soda or like a sparkling water with a lime in the glass that like a gin and tonic would come in because mm-hmm. gin and tonic was my thing. Yeah. So, yeah. but like I, so it's at, when you're looking, when somebody's looking at you, they're not like, Oh, why aren't you drinking? Like, yeah. no, I'm, you know, but it, you know, you got to do your tricks that, that work for you to take that pressure off or that it's really more of a, not an annoyance, but it is kind of like this weird social 
currency thing that you feel like you're not holding up your end of the bargain. But um, if you're actively drinking something that often kind of like helps out everybody else to feel kind of normal, I guess. I foresee this changing too. I've I've read some studies about like the younger generation, not drinking like our generation and same with social media, even like that generation between where you and I are now and like my, my kids now, your kids are a little bit older than mine. I think they really got, um, my oldest is 10. My youngest is four. Oh yeah. I got 15, 12. Yeah. Um, but there's that generation in there, the kids that are like 20, 25 now that Mm -hmm. they were really like that first wave of like living on social media. Um, I think this next generation, like the little littles, especially, um, the drinking, the social media, all that is just like, I think that it's good. There's going to be a change. I think people are realizing, like, I don't want to live my life like this. And even there's even studies are showing that like the college kids aren't drinking as much. So Drinking is going to be like what cigarettes were, yeah, that, you know, I mean, that, that wouldn't be a bad thing. I don't think, you know, yeah. I mean, I, I don't look down on anybody no. that does, you know, at all. But I mean, cause like I'll go to the, I mean, at this point I'll go to the bar and get you something if I'm on my way, you know, yeah. um, I don't, that's not an issue for me, but it's like, um, I, I do, I think that you're right about that in this next generation. Cause I think that the, these generations coming up are much more acceptable or accepting to other people's choices mm-hmm, you know mm-hmm. in general and in some very big ways too so yeah. like drinking is like at the the bottom of the thing like oh you're not drinking that's fine <laughs> you know oh you're sober that's cool yeah oh, you're vegan that's fine which you is know? so but cool like, yeah because i think that like my generation or our generation and then maybe definitely the ones before us were very much you know why aren't you yeah you know what do you mean you don't you don't eat meat like how do you <laughs> how are you even alive <laughs> you know um, very much more confrontational in that aspect. You know, it's funny. Um, I, so I'm not a vegan, but I'm a vegetarian and I have been for a really long time. Um, and so we moved from Indiana to North Carolina and I swear there's like no vegetarians in North Carolina. I don't know if it's mm. like a South thing, but like it is weird to everybody that we don't eat meat. I'm surprised. Like, honestly, like I'm in, I'm in Michigan. So I'm surprised there's, was there like a big vegetarian culture in Indiana? No, no, not necessarily, but I felt like it was less weird there yeah okay. and i don't know maybe it's where we lived well, too you're like bar- south carolina is like that starts to get like into like the barbecue yeah we're north right? carolina but right. like yeah i don't know it's just like it's like a meal is not complete without meat here you know yeah, yeah. once you get to a certain part of the country it's like what do you mean what yeah. Do you, yeah what do you put your barbecue sauce on yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> all right everybody a quick break here to thank Lagoon for supporting this podcast. Listen, there is nothing more important to me than a good pillow. I say that very boldly. I have spent a lot of time researching pillows in my day, and this is your answer. If you wake up groggy with a stiff neck or back, or your pillow's just not satisfying you, Lagoon's performance pillows are designed to meet the needs of all types of sleepers, so you can fall asleep in eight minutes and stay asleep for eight hours. Lagoon's proven process includes matching people with their ideal pillow and then allowing you to add or remove fill so that you can sleep comfortably and with proper alignment. Okay, so go to lagoonsleep.com to get started. Use the code Lindsay, L-I-N-D-S-E-Y at checkout for an exclusive 15% off your first order. Own your rest, Lagoon. All right, friends, back to the show. 
Okay, so if you could look back like seven years ago, like can you even believe what your life is right now? No, no, not at all. Like, I mean, not to be dramatic, but like, I, if I didn't, if I didn't stop drinking, I think I, I pro probably, I feel like I'd be dead if I really. Would, yeah, I just, I was, I was, I just didn't feel good at in, in mentally, physically, anything, you know. Um, luckily, I was like functioning, you know, like I had a good job, still have that job um, now, but it's like I was just, I just feel like I would not be here anymore, you know. Mm. Um, so it was. So I don't even know, like there was no looking forward in, in all this, like, you know, what, you know, five-year plan. I'm like, dude, like, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to live today, you know, but um, yeah, seven years ago, and there's no way, to, there's no way people would have said like, I'm running vegan, definitely not vegan for sure. Like, cause that's dumb. <laughs> um, none of this for sure. None of this at all. So I'm just so grateful for like the day, you know, every day. Yeah. My dad always says, my parents had us really young and he always says like, if I hadn't had you guys so young, there's no way I would have lived past 30. Like, cause he just, he was making reckless choices and you know what mm. I mean? And I always think that's so interesting to think back on like those life changing decisions and like how the trajectory changes. I like your dad already. <laughs> um, yeah. Cause I, I tell my daughter, like, cause I had my daughter, um, well, we had my daughter when we were 20 and I was 23. Pretty young, um, yeah. yeah. And, but like, I tell her all the time that she saved my life because mm. uh, what I was into and doing and glorified and like living through um, was absolutely like dead or jail, um, situ like everyday situations. No, not to say that I was like some like weird drug lord thing or whatever, like nothing like that, you know, it's just, but I was definitely around a, a, a group of people that we all risked, risked our freedom and lives pretty much every day wow and as soon as we you know as soon as we had her it was like and i say like it's really messed up because like living this like patriarchal society if i had if i had my son first i don't think that i would have made the changes that i that, that we made wow because i'm like i can't have my daughter like around this stuff um i can't you know leave her i can't you know all these things and then my dad my my dad passed when he was 39 years old so I had a long way between 23 to 39, but then I'm like, I don't want to leave my kids how, how I don't want my kids to go through what I felt, you know, growing up. So I made this decision to like try to go a different way and we're struggling, trying to like make ends meet um, because, you know, jumping back into like the work world after like a few years of not doing anything um, on paper is, um, is tough, you know, and it's just, you got to do what you have to do. My mom luckily was like living in Newburyport, Massachusetts, and she had moved there for work. And she's like, hey, this is a completely different lifestyle than what you're living. And I see you trying mm. to make a change. So do you want to start over here? And so I said, yeah, that'd be great. And so we just literally on 9, 10, 2007 um, moved um, to Massachusetts and started a new life. I like worked at like a Dunkin', Dunkin uh, not Dunkin' Donuts, but it was like this little donut shop for seven days straight. And then Lowe's Home, Lowe's, uh, home Improvement for like two months. And then I started at this job in December, 2007. So I've been there for like almost you know, going on um, 15 years. So you moved from Detroit to Massachusetts. And then when did you move back to Detroit? Um, in like 2014, 15. Oh, you were there for a long time. Yeah. So I was there, um, for quite a bit 
doing this like career thing, life changing stuff. Um, and uh, so I was I was like in like maybe 40 minutes away when the Boston bombings happened yeah. and all stuff, way before I was a runner. So but I definitely saw how the city, you know, how it impacted the all of New England in general, but that how Boston like rallied Boston strong, all that stuff. And, you know, just seeing how much the marathon meant to that area was really cool to see, even not as a runner. Um, and then, so like, that was part of the reason that I set that goal to go back to Boston to run it after, you know, being in, into running for a year. Wow. So it kind of came back full circle to be able to go back and race the marathon and all that stuff. Uh, that's so cool. Like you, you've had like two really major life changes mm -hmm. then like going all the way back to your daughter made the big change, but then still had the drinking issue and everything and then made that change again. It's like two total changes in your life that both both saved your life. Yeah, yeah, because like, so yeah, because I, I feel like a, a lot of times we'll like drop a habit or drop a thing, but we we stay. Um, like so in, in like sobriety, they call it like being a, like a dry drunk. Like if you yeah. um, if you quit this, anything that you quit, but you don't um, address the issues and reasons or whatever, you know, why you did the thing and why you, why you are who you are, you know, where you are in life, you'll just kind of be this, this thing kind of moving through like life, but not, you won't be enjoying, you won't be able to enjoy and live life if you don't re like recognize like why you did this, you know, why you set your life up this way or how you ended up this way. Um, so I think when I left Michigan, I definitely had this this huge uh, urge to change my life and change the things. And I did a lot of that, but I think like the drinking part came back because I didn't really address like why I was living mm -hmm. so recklessly, and I don't you know why why I was making these decisions to that I know the outcome. You know, like I've I know I've I have friends that that know the outcome. You know, um, so why would I continue to like walk that line? You know, in and like with no regard to like my life and going forward. And then I basically recycled that into like continuing this drinking thing and letting it go so far. Because I, I the reason why I left this this one set this one lifestyle was to make sure I was with my kids and make sure I could be there for them. But then I also let this drinking thing get so crazy where like anywhere I, dr I drove, I was drinking. Anything I did, I was drinking. So you keep you know, you have to address what the issues are behind those and face them head on um, to be able to like move forward and be productive in life and, you know, really be happy and not recycle those into like some other form of harm to yourself. We got to get you on like Rich Roll, like Michael Gervais. Like I'm listening, sure. I'm listening to this, like thinking through like, oh my gosh, I wish we could like jam out on this for like a whole nother hour but obviously we have to get yeah. to running a little bit too but i i feel like like a michael Ger man you would on one of those two podcasts you would be like so awesome um, honestly like you know like i have i've kind of joked but your podcast um alley on the run and quite a few of the other ones i've been on but then rich roll is definitely one of those one of those not like it's like a goal like to be on, yeah. on the show but it's like it's kind of like a funny goal but he actually like his his lifestyle um my my process and journey actually re really mirrored his and i didn't know about it mm -hmm. until after sobriety that i found like his book and found the podcast and all these things and it's it's just um it's kind of funny that like i've I, and I, i've actually met him so it's really cool but i'm like hey it, it would be really cool to set up like a life that could be used in that way i mean because 
you know, being on your podcast and being able to share and on this platform is dope because it's like, I can write some, some like caption in my Instagram post or whatever, and hopefully somebody reads it, but being able to like share with you and actually answer your questions and talk to, talk to a group of people that may not know me, like, um, it's just a real, a real blessing to be able to share it. And hopefully someone attaches to something and says like, Hey, um, I'm inspired by your change. And I thought that people wanted to talk about running more, which is definitely a part of my life. But every time I've shared, it's like, I get so many people come up to me about their sobriety. They're some, last time I shared it when I was in New York, someone came up to me and said, Hey, I've got 30 days. Mm-hmm. And, and then we just talked for like a few minutes about like how important 30 days is. Cause at one point there's no way you could tell me that I would have made it to 14 days. Mm-hmm. No chance, not even, not even close. So yeah, thanks. I, I appreciate sharing that part of this, this life. Yeah. You're totally right too. Cause he's vegan, sober. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Vegan, sober, ultra. I'm not doing ultras. I don't, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, <laughs> no, after doing no. three marathons in 60 days, like you could just jump in and do a 50 K, you know? Oh no, not ultras. I mean, I meant like, um, try. Tri- oh, triathlon. Yeah. I'll do an ultra. I'll do an ultra. I'd run a hundred miles. I'm stupid. Okay. So you do an ultra. Yeah. You won't do triathlon. Got it. No, no, no. I, I, yeah. Uh, it's so much time on the bike, the triathlon. It's three sports, and I'm, I still have alcoholic tendencies. I dive into things all the way. Yes. And I will never be home. My children will be 28 by the time I get back. Uh huh. And I don't think that I need to do that. There's enough running out there, you know. That's what I always say, man. Triathlon, and no offense to the triathletes out there, running is, is too, but like triathlon is such a selfish sport because, I mean, my husband did one Ironman and he did it when our first son was like eight weeks old. So it was like, okay, you know, first Perfect baby. Timing. Yeah. It, <laughs> I mean, it was like at the time, now that we have four at the time, looking back, I'm like, oh, our life was so chill, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but it didn't feel chill at the moment. No, nothing feels chill with your first baby, but. I mean, it was a full-time job on top of his full-time job. So I just can't imagine that, like, lifestyle on a regular basis. No, it just seems crazy. I mean, because you, you'd want to be good at three of them or at least good at two of them. Yeah. The time commitment is crazy. And, like, so hats off to all the people that do triathlons and stuff like that that still, like, have, a, like, manage to have a job. To and do it, yeah. Family and stuff. Because that's you're, – you're a class act if you can pull that off. Totally. Um, so 248 is your marathon PR. Mm-hmm. Um, like we were talking about earlier, you're like in this like very exciting place in your running where it's still relatively fresh. What are your big goals now? Like you've done the 248. What do you want to see on the clock? I definitely want to PR. Um, I wanted to PR this year, which just didn't work out. I, th- I wanted to PR in New York, which was in hindsight, I probably should have tried to run Chicago fast. Okay. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the one to go fast on. But I was like, no, I can do it in New York. I was being stubborn and dumb. Um, but I wanted to do that break break 248 this year. But definitely that's a big goal for next year is to PR. Okay. Um, I feel like I was I feel like I was fit to run sub uh, 248 in the first two of the three marathons I just did um, this fall. I was definitely sub 248 fit before Boston, before I got the, the knee injury or knee ish- issue. Um, so I want to just go back on that, um, and just, you know, jump in there head first train and have fun with it. And that's another thing too. I want to make sure that I did, cause I don't know if I had fun mm. training for the 248 uh, or even running it at all, mm. but I want to make sure that whatever I do, um, and hopefully I PR many different times from now, but 
I want to make sure that I have fun in the races. Um, going to Boston and having the worst experience possible for me, given like what I was trying to do and put into the race, having such a crappy time there experience, I enjoy, I realize how important it is to enjoy the time that you're out there. Um, of course, when you hit like those 23, 24 miles, you're not smiling much at all. Right. Up until that point, until like the body says, hey, we need to really lock in here. I want to try to have as much fun as possible, smile, wave, slap hands, whatever, you know, um, read all the funny signs and things like that. But so I want to have fun and I want to PR for sure. I love that. Yeah, I, I bring this up all the time, but that's what Kira D'Amato says. It's like the reason I can run so fast is because I'm having fun. That is the reason. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's she's um definitely an inspiration to like to to enjoy, you know. And I think that like you st- you're starting to see that actually more often in the pro like Agree. field uh, of people enjoying, you know, th- these moments. And it's serious too. Like you can have fun, you can have fun, and smile, you can laugh during training, and you can really go after all your goals and crush your splits and all that stuff. You can put in all the miles, but just kind of remember, like I think uh, there's there's last training blocks, the last couple chain blocks I did because I did a few right there um were like sometimes when I'm out there and I'd be like in this long you know tempo run or something like that when I'd feel myself serious I would like I would remind myself to have fun even then like stay on the pace you know like we're not like slacking here but just remember like you don't like you don't have to do this you just you just get to do it you know and that like reframe helped a lot in training too because I think that like your body knows when you're and you're tense and, mm. and serious too. So it's like, relax a bit. Remember, you're crushing these goals, you know, in training. But you're, this is a choice. You have, you have some fun, relax, enjoy it. So true. And I think we can think that before workouts too. I think um, you get really stressed out. Like, oh my gosh, will I be able to hit these paces? Will I be able to do this? But if you take that pressure off your shoulders and go into it with that attitude, you're probably going to run so much better because you're going to be, like you said, less tense. Yeah, relax. Yeah. I saw that video of you running New York, though, and you were having a lot of fun. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And then so I shared a bunch of like so I shared the videos for for Chicago because I was having fun then, too. And I had a lot of fun in New York until like mile like there was a certain point where it just stopped being fun. Altogether. When was that for you? Um, It was a kind of it was kind of like off and on throughout the day, though, because mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. it was one of those days where it was like it was just hot enough where you were just yeah. like kind of mild too. It was just like, yeah, this isn't, this isn't what we signed up for, you know? So like there was these moments where like you'd become in waves. Like once you get to the water station, throw some water on you, then you like kind of reset. But then like there's moments where you just got a little hot and tired and heavy. And you know, when you get a crowd coming up, those are like those fun moments. Um, so yeah, New York was a roller coaster for sure. Like literally with the elevation changes mm-hmm. and, <laughs> and temperatures and, and emotions. But like, I think it got like really dark, like, you know, like it can't, it got really heavy for me coming out, going over the Queensboro bridge. I I'm going to write, I'm writing the, the mayor or whoever I need to, uh, <laughs> to get that. The bridge is dumb. You just need to low, make it flat, a flat <laughs> bridge. Who needs to have boats go under a bridge? It should just be flat, straight, easy. Um, but then, like coming out of the park and going up that straight street, whatever that was, twenty three mile twenty three, the, the jumbotron right there that was like seemed like it was close, but it was far, but it was close, and it was super yes. far. Oh, be- so, yes. Oh, yeah. So you're like at yeah. mile twenty four and a half or something you're just at that like point. Looking at this stupid. Who needs that? Yeah. Why? 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 You know like, what am I looking at? You know, 
The and why line. is it so far away? And yeah, why is it there? Like it's like, it's cool. Like look, man. Oh, look at that big TV. Like as a spectator, like oh, look at that. I can see the finish line. But when you're a mile twenty four, you don't want to see the finish line. No. I don't think. You know, because then you then you realize you got more. It's it was it was it was ridiculous. I'm writing everyone. I'm writing a letter. <laughs> I so I read New York in 2019 and I had a really good race and it was also obviously much cooler. But like I swear I do not remember those bridges and hills being as bad. Like I think it's the heat. The heat. The heat and humidity was definitely a thing. Like it's not like an excuse. I mean it is what it is. There's people that ran really well. Yeah. On, on, on Sunday with hats off to them. I think I did decent. Like it wasn't yeah. what I was aiming for at all, but I I made it work out. Um, but what yeah, was your the, official the, time? Official time was two fifty eight something. Okay, and you really um, like beside pring once that goal's like not on the table, you were yeah. like I have to break three. Yeah, so like I crossed like halfway at like one twenty seven or one twenty eight. Okay, so I'm like okay, math, math. It's not not your strong suit. <laughs> um 250 something you know so i said let's just stay here and then i hit a bunch of a few slow miles and i'm like let's just keep pushing and then that that my math is starting to like really start to be more accurate i'm like oh crap i got like one that's 257 oh that's 258 like just keep pushing um and luckily it happened if i didn't break three honestly i don't think i would have been like i I was gonna say i would have been (laughs) (laughs) but it, it worked out it was a good day um, in that aspect, uh, and the crowds were amazing, but I could definitely see if it was 40 something degrees, um, the day would have been much different for so many people. Yeah. You'd, you'd have to been in really good shape to PR. Like if you're trying to PR by like two minutes, you need to be in shape to PR by like seven minutes on that day. I feel like. Yeah. So if you, so if anybody ran really well, like just know that you got you something can, in you. you got, you got more going on. So double back to the same training block, whatever you just did, do it again. And you're going to go crazy in the, in the, in the spring. Totally. Who, yeah. um, who's coaching you right now? Or are you doing a, co- having a coach? Um, Melissa, Melissa Johnson white. Okay. From Hanson's Brooks. Okay. She, she works. Uh, she runs for Hanson's Brooks, but she works with Luke Humphrey. So that's the first coach you ever had. You're still with her. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's so cool. Yep. How yep. do you guys decide to like change things up as time goes on? Um, well, she just got like, like you said, I'm so new to it. She's just kind of like adding things and changing things. And as my goals get more aggressive, she just kind of matches that with different workouts, different mileages and things like that. And then unfortunately I've had injuries and things that, so she kind of has to flex things around that. So that actually keeps it pretty dynamic. And then I say, Hey, I want to run three marathons in 60 days. And she goes, I'm not sure if that's the greatest idea, but let's go after (laughs) it. Um, and she's like, which one do you want to be the goal race? I'm like, why not New York? She's like, mm, all right, let's go. But she is able to kind of like work around that. So it's been really cool, but I can't wait to get into this like spring training. Cause it'll just be one goal race and, you know, probably like a tune up half marathon, but very traditional. And I'll be able to kind of just go through it like a normal human being instead of like tapering twice, you know, and then running a, you know, a goal race. But I love that that's just what you wanted to do this fall. And she's like, okay, maybe not the best idea, but like, if that's what we're going to do, let's figure it out. Let's get you through it. Let's get you, let's have you run them all well. Like, I want to run them well. I don't want to, I didn't want to cash it. Like, you know, just like run one of them as like a fun run, which would have been fine, but I just didn't want that for me. Yeah. Um, She signed on to that and we, you know, we kind of made it happen. All right. We got to wrap up here within the podcast. Okay. What's something professionally or personally you'd like to do that you haven't done yet? Um, I want to 
I want to run all. I want to run the um, all six. I want to get six stars. Um, want to be on Rich Roll show? That'd be cool. Speak um, it. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, but really, I'm kind of doing what I want to do right now. Like, I really like the fact that I get to share um, and be vulnerable and maybe help people in that. That's awesome. Um, what's the best, most recent book you've read? Um, Running Wild Black by Allison Mariella Desir. I So she's been on every podcast, and I want to decide which podcast to listen to. I know you had her on. Well, well mine is... Um, I haven't listened to anybody else because I didn't want to listen to um, other people's questions before I totally, got to her. I totally so, understand that. Yeah. And then, and then just like on a, like on a, I didn't want, cause my, my question as like, as a black man to her writing this book would be different than, than someone else's questions to her. And I didn't want to come into it with like, Oh, that's a good question. Sure. But knowing that I already feel and know the answer. So I wanted to make sure it was ours is very conversational, I feel, um, and like telling her how much I appreciate the way she went about things. Um, but I think mine's a good one. Uh, it's kind of very open and, and vulnerable. And I've heard that a bunch of other ones are really great, too. OK, well, maybe I'll start with yours. Yeah, start with mine and then it'll be like, oh, these other ones are so much better. But, you know, we'll, we'll see. Let me know if, if you like mine, because that'd be cool. Yeah. And I get that with interview prep, too, because sometimes if I don't know like, you know, Allison, you know what she, the work she does. If I don't know anything about a person, I'm like, I'm going to have to listen to them on a couple podcasts. Yeah. And I don't love doing it, you know, because yeah. I don't want to just like probably an author. Like if you're writing a book, like you don't yeah. want to read a bunch of books like your book, but you need to kind of like research a little bit. And so it's kind of challenging. It's like read the back flap, you know, read, yeah. the, read the overview. But yeah, sometimes like I'll listen to a quick intro or two yeah yeah because like I, you know something that maybe i didn't catch you know totally in my research, yeah like, that. But, like a quick fact yeah. or something yeah and yeah i would definitely say anybody that that runs or doesn't run needs to grab that book because it, it tackles a lot of big issues um in a really 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 tasteful and powerful way you know that's awesome who's someone fun motivating or inspiring you'd like to have coffee tea or cocktail with um oh not a cocktail no cocktails. Um, dang it. I was ready for this, but I'm not ready now. Um, I'll just say Elliot Kipchoge because I think that would be dope. Awesome. And I feel like the coffee is probably pretty amazing. <laughs> probably. Yeah. What's your last message to leave with our audience? Have fun. Um, and no matter what like happens, like you can do this too. You know, we, we like, we isolate things like, oh my gosh, this task is just too much for me. But we've so many of us have overcome so many different things. Just apply the, the the lessons you learned and the strength you had for that one thing and put it on this one and it can you can make it happen. It's a beautiful message. Thank you so much, Tommy. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right, friends, thanks for being here today. Thank you, Tommy, for coming on the show. You all go follow Tommy on Instagram. He's Tommy underscore runs. That's T-O-M-M-I-E underscore R-U-N-Z. You can find me. I am Lindsay Hine 626 on Instagram at Lindsay Hine on Twitter. And we have a great Facebook group. I'd love to have you join us. It's just called I'll Have Another Podcast with Lindsay Hine. Big thanks to Lagoon for supporting this episode of the podcast. Go to lagoonsleep.com and use the code Lindsay for 15% off your order. 
Thanks for being here and we will see you next time on All Have Another.